Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. Uh, today we have a special foreigner guest. Um, you're the first foreigner on this show, I think. <laughs> Gotta right? have a claim to fame for something. Yeah, I mean, barely foreign. It's it's, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. close. Vancouver's basically like North Texas, but uh, uh, well, it was at some point. I think that's changed a lot now. Uh, Kelsey and I don't. It, how do I say your last name? Is it just like Sharon, like the first name Sharon, or is it is that it? Sharon, Sharon. Good. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> for in my head, for the first like six months I knew you, I called you Kelsey Shireen in my head because it looked like that. And I had a friend from named Shireen from Canada back in the day, but that was her first name, so that didn't really make any sense. It's just what my brain did. <laughs> well, I apologize. Uh, that's very Canadian of you to apologize for something <laughs> that you took no part in was definitely not your fault. <laughs> um. Oh, this will be fun. Yeah, probably <laughs> unnecessary. So uh, this new show, you, you have been on uh, my other show before, and we talked about, you know, politics, a lot of weird stuff going on in Canada. Um, you know, a lot of, I guess, dystopian adjacent, if you want to call it that, but that's kind of the rub, right? Because whenever you ask anybody that, live through the buildup to authoritarianism and you ask them how it happened, they say one step at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're not here to talk about politics today. Um, although we could, because there's even more dumb shit going on up there right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of got tired of all the noise. Um, you know, I think everybody, should, should at least find some way to, to make whatever they're doing a solution based effort. Cause otherwise you're just bitching, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of thing you learn in the military, as you know, like you can bitch, but you better have a solution to the problem as well. Otherwise you're going to get reamed for it. Like, what do you think you could do better or whatever? Yeah. Um, just shut your mouth. If you can't yeah. do better. Um, I, I, it seems like, uh, We've reached this point in Western society where um, the conservative side has has spent the last, I don't know, half a century complaining about the nanny state uh, while also kind of passively contributing to it as well uh, because they're incompetent as well. But um, we complain a lot about that, about the nanny state, like stay out of my business, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a reasonable it's a reasonable expectation to want to be left alone if you're uh you know in a in a free society but we also like to enjoy the benefits of society right mm-hmm. the 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 standardization of currency the the uh mobilization of of combined security right like the military and stuff like that police forces um and, and all the things that security brings, property rights and the ability to express liberty uh, as you see fit, stuff like that. Um, but and we, we've not done a whole lot to help ourselves, I feel like, um, in the last forever. Um, <clears throat> we, we've focused a lot on kicking and screaming about our rights, which ones we have, which ones we want, which ones are being violated and uh, spent very little time talking about our obligations and what's required and expected of us uh, to make sure that those rights are available, not just for us, but for everyone and not just for now, but always. Um, I think the, the, this is the premise of the show. I think that there's no way to vote our way out of this. There's no way to, get a get a big enough group of people together to enact some radical change in the way government operates in the West. This is not going to happen, right? There's too many players, too much power involved. So how do you attack power? Well, if it was a military power, obviously you would attack it with a military. If it's a marketing power, you attack it with better messaging and marketing. 
when it's the assumed power of government, uh, I, I always think back to Game of Thrones. Very says that power lies where men believe it lies, right? Mm-hmm. So the the only reason governments exist is because we allow them to. We allow them to because they provide us some level of convenience and comfort and safety. Um, mm-hmm. So if those entities are acting up, then it seems to me, and, and I, after this I want to hear your thoughts on that, it seems to me that the best solution to that is to instead of marching and protesting and yelling at each other on the internet, it seems to me like the best solution would be to uh, get back to the fundamentals, right? Be good citizens, reestablish the uh, the habit and pattern of, of meeting our obligations to the, to the community first, right? Because otherwise, even if we did manage to somehow form a new government or radically change this one, who are we sending there to run it? Like the same incompetent power hungry turds that we've been, you know, pumping out for decades now is that's not really a solution. Right. So I feel like being the best possible citizen you can be encouraging others to do the same is probably the best solution. I, I would argue that's probably accurate. It's unfortunate that we're at a point where, we all feel so, I don't want to, defeated is not the right word, but when you've come to the realization that government has done a really beautiful job of sucking up as much of the society as it can and, and using it as pawns and tools in their little games that they play from their high tower, um, you have to take it back to fundamentals and basics and, and community, because if you don't, then what is it? What are you doing? What is it all for? Because day to day, in my opinion, we need less government. We need the more we've allowed over the past, uh, I would say that I've noticed 10 in the 10 years, I've noticed it because it was, you know, during the Bush administration and all of that, I was a little bit younger. So I, mm. I didn't, I'm going to say didn't pay attention, but I, it wasn't something that was on my radar until I became a soldier. Mm. So I started to learn a little bit about our government in that time frame. And I remember very distinctly when we were overseas, we had to vote. And um, it was uh, at the time there were conservatives were in power and we were all very excited because they got us new, new weaponry. Um, I never understood why people voted conservative. I never understood that side of the government. I only knew that people were saying that these guys are gun toting, angry individuals. And and that's they're talking about Canadians, Canadian conservatives. So that should just tell you everything. I mean, I'm not even talking about America here. Um, When I started to realize what was happening within the government and I started to see it after being in the military, it became incredibly clear to me and not because I'm some social scientist that understands political power better than anybody else. It's because I took a step back. I looked at the position that I used to do as a job and understood how how things work. It was nothing more than that. When you start to look at government and you see the overreach and you see the what you call like it's a slow progression, it's a slow drip, it's a slow IV to control. And then people look back and go, well, how do they get to that point? It's very simple. They got to that point because you've allowed them to get to that point because you've distracted them so well. And I think that's because we've allowed too much government. We've allowed too much government to come in and say, I'll handle this for you. I'll handle this for you. And the overreach has come to the point where it's so widespread that we can't seem to dig ourselves out of it. Mm. And then, like you said, what do you do? You have to focus on the community. You have to take it back instead of looking at this grand scale and go, how do we affect change here in order to allow that change to blossom and hopefully down the road, push out those individuals that are in the government that are currently destroying our country. Um, And I mean that with intent when I say, Justin Trudeau is, let me clarify, Justin Trudeau, the finance minister and the NDP are destroying Canada. Mm. Yeah, so Jack, Jack Mead yeah. Singh or however the fuck you say his name. I don't even try. Yeah, he's, uh, <clears throat> that guy's a real piece of work. Um, you know, yeah. even as, as angry as I get at, at a lot of these folks, um, I still like to try to keep Hanlon's razor in mind, which is there's, you don't need to imply malice when incompetence will suffice. Right. Um, So I think that 
for, with Trudeau, I, I really do think uh, he's a World Economic Forum puppet. But a lot of these politicians, I think, are just like they see problems, and because of their weakness, they project that weakness onto others and, and assume that they can't deal with things on their own. You know what Correct. I mean? Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, they implement they implement their programs, their systems, their way yeah. of of helping so that then because that person just they might not be able to handle it on their own. Mm. Well, you've never given them the chance. You've stepped in and overtaken any opportunity they would have had to rebuild or get themselves back on their feet. Don't get me wrong. I believe in the government's use of individuals of food banks. I believe mm. in food stamps. I believe in subsidy housing that people need when you've fallen on hard times. Those are things I support. What I don't believe in is decriminalizing drugs, having safe injection sites, allowing doctors to be there while people are using these drugs and also providing them. I mean, look at the government. They have partnered with how many pharmaceutical companies over how many decades to put a society into such a lull, into such a numbness that they don't even realize what's happening until it's too late. And then they have no choice but to go on the government programs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just enough to get by, but never enough to get up, you know, Correct. Uh, yeah. it, it's, that's kind of the, the way the program, and it, maybe it works that way intentionally, or maybe it's through incompetence, but the result is the same, right? I, I don't, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's a point in bringing people to justice where intent matters, but in the triage phase, intent doesn't matter. It's about f- solving the problem as quickly as possible. Correct. Um, <clears throat> now, the only reason you alluded to this a minute ago, the only reason that any of this was allowed to happen is because we allowed it to happen, right? Mm-hmm. We allowed ourselves to be <sighs> bribed, I guess, or we al- or, uh, on on the inverse of that, we allowed our liberty to be ransomed, right, for some convenience, which is we've been warned about this by pretty much every intellectual that existed from the 18th and 19th centuries, warned us pretty uh, about the grave consequences of doing that. Yeah. Uh, we did it anyways. But I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've spent the majority of my adult life as a leader, whether I wanted to be or not. It was A lot of it was just circumstance. Um, not that I didn't make decisions to, to put myself there, but you know, you don't know what you're getting into until you do. But a big part of leadership, in my opinion is even if you're not wholly responsible is uh, at least in your own mind, accepting blame, because if you don't do that, then you can't, you won't have ownership over the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I can't control what you do. I can't control what the government does. I can only control my attitude and effort. I can't control right. the, I can't control the outcome of any of this stuff. So I'm not saying that you should, you should bear all of the world's problems. You shouldn't be sitting around thinking about how you're responsible for everybody's problems, but you should be thinking about everything you could possibly be responsible for, because those are the things that you can affect. You know what I mean? Correct. Um, yeah. It, it's, We've spent a lot of time talking about our rights and we don't spend a, a very much time focused on our responsibilities and obligations and mm-hmm. enum- not just enumerating them, but actually doing them every day. It's why one of the, I had a conversation with a guy the other day um, about one of the points, one of the principles on my list. And it was, uh, I'll do something every day to help my country. My countrymen are all men. And he, and he, suggested maybe not say every day um, because that's a lot of weight. And I'm like, well, that's kind of the point. The point isn't that you need to save the world every single day. You're not a hero. Um, The point is that you need to get yourself in a mindset where you're constantly on the lookout for opportunities to help people. Um, You know, that that it's it's habit building at that point. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, then you're, it, it, it may sound like a platitude, but it does affect the way you think about everything once you start, you know, behaving that way. There is this thing called gratitude. And uh, when you practice gratitude, it changes who you are. It helps you see the world and perceive things differently. So when he says, you know, maybe not every day, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, the things that you can do for your own community and people around you can affect change every single day. And they have a ripple effect. Mm. Like, 
silly example, very silly example, very minor. Um, I go to this one shop near the grocery store. It's like, um, uh, like a Walgreens, I guess, for you guys. Mm-hmm. Call it ours London Drugs. So I go in. There's the same lady at the cash. She's an older lady. Okay. During COVID, she got really scared because her husband was sick. She wears an N95 mask. She still wears it. Um, and time and time and time again, I go in. And at least, at least maybe one out of the five times, there's always somebody berating her or being just a terrible human being to her. And then the other day I was in there with my husband and I made a point that I was going to make this woman's day. And I was going to put all of my effort and all of my energy and all of my love and my light that I have. And I was going to push it towards her. Mm. And I just said, hello, beautiful. How are you doing today? She goes, hi, dear. How are you? And I said, has anybody told you off today? She was only one person. And I say, what do we tell those people? We tell those people to fuck off, Kelsey. Correct. And you know why? Because you are worth more than those words. You deserve to be in an environment where you feel safe and happy when you're working. And you deserve to be loved. So nobody should be talking to you that way, especially when you look as gorgeous as you do. The next day I came in, she said to me, I got to tell you, it was really small, but those words that you said, they lifted my entire day and I had an amazing day after that. You don't have to do a lot. It really isn't difficult. For example, in America, at least in Canada, nobody holds doors anymore, right? Mm. Because people are too afraid to be close to one another. So when somebody goes out of their way to hold a door for me now, and I see that I'm not quite close to it, I will run. I'll be like, thank you so much. Thank you for holding the door. I really appreciate it. And they smile and laugh because I'm kind of a disaster about it, the way I run over to them. But I make an effort of trying to leave however many people I'm around smiling or laughing. That has a ripple effect. That affects your community directly. And that is your responsibility. It goes back to your energy and how you act. It is your responsibility. We don't get to choose what they're doing, but we can choose how we react. Same with problems and solutions. We're too much about problems and we're never ever about solutions because solutions would mean that they can't control us anymore solutions would mean that they cannot tell us what we can and cannot do if we come up with our own solutions for these problems yeah let's i mean you can quantify that statistically uh so at any given time of course you can dan (laughs) yeah i i'm yeah obviously i no no one no one in the audience is surprised to hear me say that but uh, no it, 30, 30 to 40% of people at any given time need some sort of help, whether it's uh, assistance financially, security, uh, 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 emotional, psychological, whatever it is, right? 30 to 40% of people are in some state of like, not, not general need, like we all need stuff every day, but I'm talking about like actual, they need mm-hmm. something to get through today. Um, <clears throat> whether it's you know, Medicare here in the, in the States for old people to get their medicine or hospital visits or meals on wheels, food, stuff, all this other stuff. Um, <clears throat> if 30 to 40% uh, of the population of us are constantly on the lookout for people to help, then those, these predatory programs the government has levied against us over the years, whether through incompetence or bureaucratic bloat or even malice, they lose their customers. And ultimately, mm-hmm. the result of that is that the government loses power. And that's good mm-hmm. for everybody, right? Like you, you have the opportunity every single day <clears throat> to box out the government, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, uh, to keep them pinned in their arena, right? The only reason that government encroaches into these areas of our lives is because we failed to handle them in the first place. That's why it happens. It's not like, yeah, the, the mission creep is a real thing. Bureaucratic bloat is a real thing. Uh, uh, malicious bad actors in power who are trying to gobble up as much money and power as they can. All of those are real, but they only succeed through our passiveness, right? Through, right. We, we allow that to happen. Well, it's no different than um, it, it's like it's it's no different than when a hurricane rolls into a place. Who are the first that are going to come in? Because the uh, citizens can't help themselves. It's going to be bad actors. It's going to be child yeah. traffickers. It's going to be drug gangs. They're going to come in first because they see an opportunity. That's what the governments are. The governments mm-hmm. are bad actors who go in to profit from themselves. The only difference is 
our government doesn't come around and pick and take our children away. We're not China. Only mm. China does that currently. But my point is, is we give room. We give space. We hold, we hold space as societies crumble. We'd say, where's mom and dad to come take our hands? Mm. We can't seem to grab a hold of ourselves and go, okay, how do I make it through this? What do I have to do? And also some people just aren't willing to do what it takes to be able to push government out of mm. their home, out of their lives. That seems they could have grown up in a family where they've only ever had government support or mm. only ha ever had CNN on the news or ever had global on the news. They don't know any different. And it's the same thing. It's like you don't, the worst you've ever seen or done is the worst you've ever seen or done. You can't fault them, but what you mm. can do is educate them. And that, that's where we need to change the conversation. And I have to say, I was really excited when I saw the, what I'm going to call not change, but evolution of your podcast, because we can bitch, we can whine, we can discuss, and we can have these conversations, which in my opinion, are incredibly necessary to educate people about what's really truly going on. Because most people, I mean, when I talked to, when I was on Drinking Bros, mm. your partner had no idea Canadians couldn't leave the country freely. Mm. No, most people who messaged me afterwards, which by the way, we had such an incredible response from that show of people just saying, we had no idea and mm. we are Canadians. So you do such a good job of that. So I'm glad to see you pivot this, though, to something where people can go, OK, these are issues, but these are ways that I can take power into my own hands and be accountable. <gasps> Whew, there goes the microdose. I'm about to get real red. <laughs> Here it comes. Uh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I felt like it was necessary. Uh, I f it, it seemed like uh, this is so much negativity. Mm -hmm. Um and look, that that's a that's a function of our current state. There's no question about that. But uh, being a miser has never really done anything but drive people into an early grave. You know what I mean? And I'm not really interested in that. I'm actually a cockroach. I'm so embalmed in, in <laughs> chemicals that I'm, I'll live forever. But um, <clears throat> uh, the most important part of being a citizen is not the taking or the consuming of your rights, right? It's not the taking of the benefits of society or the consuming of the, the convenience and, and, and comfort of it. It is the giving, right? Every, mm -hmm. every, every worthwhile venture, and I mean this to a very granular level, begins and ends with the responsibility and obligation to build and replenish what you've used, right? So rebuild and replenish. Um, it's an old Boy Scout phrase, leave things better than you found it. But mm -hmm. if you think about it in a linear way, and every pretty much every activity you do, if you want something cold to drink when you get home today, you better stock the refrigerator. And if you don't, then it's only your fault that it's not mm -hmm. cold when you get home, right? You are, you are not only you, but the rest of your family are now uh, not in, in enjoying the best possible scenario you could because you failed to do the work on the front end. And that's right. what we've done as a society. The most important part of being a citizen <laughs> is the giving because mm -hmm. that is what makes all the rights and, and, and security and, and comfort and safety possible. The only way it's possible is if everybody or if a critical mass of people are doing the right thing. And a critical mass of people in the United States are not doing the right thing. I don't know. I mean, clearly it's the same in Canada uh, because uh, otherwise yeah. things wouldn't be going like they are. If, if we were doing the right things, we would not be, man, uh, we wouldn't be squabbling over just petty uh, uh, microscopic differences in, in, in the way we think about things instead of realizing that the patrician class is just hammering us every single day. We, you know what I mean? We would be taking care of each other. Like you said, people don't hold the door anymore because they're scared or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, they've been yeah, up here. They've been taught to be scared, though. Right. Like, that's the thing when you're looking at um, when you're looking at Canada in particular. Uh, I, I got some feedback from when I did um, the mic drop show mm -hmm. and a lot. I had a few Canadians reach out and be like, you're blanketing us with with how you feel. And my response to this is nobody's blanketing you. Well, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling you what's going on in a country that you're too blind to see. 
you're burying your head in the sand. That's perfectly fine. You may avoid those responsibilities to your blue in the face, but not everybody wants to. Not everybody wants to live under a totalitarian nightmare. Not everybody wants to be told they can't leave their country. Not everybody wants to be told that they can't go work or support their families or their community. But yet that's what we've allowed to happen. We've allowed people to tell us that the life that we were building isn't worth living for anymore and that they should be living because that's how we they should be living the way we've told them to live because that's what we've deemed to be acceptable behavior. But that is so wrong. Nobody should be telling you how to live your life. Nobody should be telling you what you can and cannot do when it comes to your food or to your travel or to your living expenses. To that extent, Canada has such a backwards way of thinking about things. We're we're in the worst recession we've been in since below 2019. We've we've spent more money than most countries. And for what? And to do what? And to help who? We haven't helped anybody. We've harmed more people than we've helped. And they, our current administration, laughs about it and takes it like a win. Like they should, it's something they should be proud of. We've helped this many people. Well, you just did an audit on how to build and plant trees for $3.1 million that you build to taxpayers. You got on a jet and spent over $200,000 on wine and alcohol flying across the world. We've allowed people for a long time to tell us that our lives are their choices, Mm. but our choices dictate our lives. And we need to take that back, that mindset back and stop being afraid of the boogeyman. Yeah. Uh, People that scary. No, it's, I mean, it's, Again, power lies where men believe it lies. Uh, mm-hmm. People seem to think that we're having some kind of negotiation with governments about what we're going to be allowed to do or not. Like, that's not how any of this works. Uh, it doesn't say this in Canada, but here it says of, for, and by the people. And that's kind of the point, right? Uh, this is, we should be in a constant negotiation, not to this, uh, determine what the government's going to allow or not but what parts of the government we're going to allow to exist in the first place. Um, exactly. Now that's a change in mindset. And look, that's a bigger problem than most people can conceptualize in their day-to-day life. Of course. So, you know, one of the things I want to do uh, here is d- discuss, um, you know, practical things that people can do in their day-to-day lives that make a difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned one before it's, it's just simply your attitude and effort, right? So mm-hmm. it's a good exercise, I think too. And you know, it's, it, it, it takes time to be able to build up to this in, in real time and be able to behave this way. Um, I still struggle with it myself from, from time to time, but <clears throat> if you're able to sit down at the end of the day, uh, maybe, write some notes on your phone or write, jot it down in a notebook, like some of the things that happened to you throughout the day and what you might've done to, to maximize the benefit of that interaction, whatever it happened to be. Um, so like in your case, seeing the woman at the store or whatever, mm-hmm. you had a very clear plan on what you were going to do there. Right. That, that was something that you decided before you ever walked into that store. And that's the hard work up front that makes all the rest of this actually pretty easy, right? It, it's mm-hmm. like uh, traction. There's a good book on marketing uh, and start a business called Traction. And the general premise is uh, a business or a movement or whatever it is, is like a giant stone wheel. And it takes a lot of energy to get it moving. But once it's rolling, it's pretty easy to keep it rolling, right? As long as it doesn't run mm-hmm. into anything. Um, <clears throat> so I think about things that happen in my life, interactions I have. And, you know, I think one of the best things to do is to start with the interactions that you were irked by or displeased with, because that's where the most obvious improvement can be made. You know what I mean? You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't want to start trying to take 90 to a hundred. You want to start trying to take 10 to 40. You know what I mean? Because it's so that's low hanging fruit. It's so much easier to do that. It's so much easier to make something bad turn into something good than it is make something good turn into great. We, we mm-hmm. can get from good to great later, but I think we need to focus on getting bad things good first. So, 
I think, yeah, we've, we've been so distracted for so long that we forgot what good can look like. Mm. And we were good and we can be great, but we have really forgotten, I think, what we should look like as a society, how we should act like and what we should talk like. We had these societal norms prior to COVID and then the norms changed for safety precautions. We've never gone back to what that norm was. And I don't even know that we should. I think we should be looking at the COVID as a, this is a bad word to attach with, but to reset instead of going to the point of control and, and negativity and and how much we've lost, we need to stop and we need to look at ourselves and go, we have lost X, Y, and Z. Mm. How do we get it back? How do we change what we should be acting like? And what should we be acting like? Sure. Was it being an asshole every day, helping anybody pre pre COVID? Probably not, but can it be much better changed now? If we look at our society and go, just hate one less person, be angry with one less person. Is that person that pulled out in front of you? Really? Do they really deserve the go fucking die? Like, no, probably. Hey, maybe that person didn't see you. Well, that person was distracted. That person was having a bad day or that person was in a rush to get somewhere important. But you don't know that. But it's how you choose to react to that. That's going to dictate the rest of your day. And it's going to dictate how those feel around you. Give me just a minute. Let me do uh, some advertising so we can keep the show on the air. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off. You use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. You get a mattress for like 35 bucks a month at the high end if you get all that stuff. Um, they have uh, this zero down 0% financing plan, which was for 36 months before... And now they've extended it out to 60 months. That's five years. If you're looking for a new bedroom suite, uh, uh, you get a mattress and an adjustable base, sheets, pillows, mattress protector, even a weighted blanket. Uh, you put all that stuff in, you're going to get one, you're going to get the 30% or the 40% off discount, right? If you, use, uh, if you add the uh, mattress and adjustable base. You're also going to get the financing at zero down 0% uh, for 60 months, right? So you can double dip there. You can for 25 to 35 bucks a month, give or take, depending on your credit, you can get a, an entirely new bedroom suite. And uh, you know, you've got five years to pay that thing off. It's very affordable. And you know, as well as I do, the quality of this product, you've seen all the reviews, you've heard us talk about it for years. So go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink bros and get those deals. And if you're looking for other deals, um, I really do want you guys to try chowmeals.com. It's Chef Rush, the the uh, former White House um, chef. He is an amazing human being, very inspirational, but also extremely talented. And he finally set up that. I've been waiting for him to do this for years. I, I never knew why he didn't do it. It's because he had so much other stuff going on with books and, and tours and stuff. He finally set up this business, uh, uh, chowmeals.com. And it is the best, freshest meal prep I've ever used in my life. I've used pretty much, you know how I am. I, I get into something like headphones or whatever it is, and I try everything that's available. I've tried every meal prep service from the ones like this, where it's a completed meal and you just put it in the microwave, to ones that you assemble yourself that we've had on other shows. Uh, nothing has ever come close to chowmeals.com. It's my favorite food. I look forward to getting it every week. I had some for added uh, Colorado omelet cheese omelet this morning with uh with ham and potatoes and it was great it's like great macros you can get three different sizes so small medium or large you can get uh three breakfasts five breakfasts or seven breakfasts i think and then an associated amount of lunches as well with that i mean it's just a great program go to chowmeals.com use the promo code get fucked uh and you'll get 20 percent off your order and uh take some pictures let me know how you like it because i I really don't want to be in a silo here and just think that I'm, you know, I'm the only one that likes this stuff. I know it's not true because Brittany's already ordered some, but I, I really enjoy this. And I want to hear your feedback on it. So order some, get it. Let me know what you think. Um, and let's get back to the show. Yeah. I mean, the, so I, I think you're on the right track there. I want to take it a step further. All that, st all the it. stuff, the nonsense that happened during uh, the last couple of years, 
that was the fire for sure. It's the most obvious thing, but the, the movement away from each other, the ignoring of our communities and families, the resistance to be kind to people and helpful for people, all of that were the frayed wires, right? That started the fire. And I'm talking about, you know, the 1950s, your neighbor is moving in, you go fucking help your neighbor. If there's garbage on the ground, you pick it up. The you bring end. a pie. Like the, there's no, like, there's no, like the, that isn't even a thing. It, it, it's so right now, if you do something like that, somebody would be elated. Like, Oh, I can't believe this person is helping me or they might be weirded out to be honest. Uh, but you know, more like that. <laughs> some, some, some decades ago, if you didn't do that, right, then you would be an asshole. So the expectation, th- this is the problem that, We've set the standard so low for ourselves and for everybody else. Like if, as soon as you set the standard low for yourself, you tacitly set the standard low for everybody around you, right? And it cascades mm-hmm. downward as far as it'll go. Because if you're the kind of person that has the ability to, to, to be self-reflective in that way, then you're a leader whether you want to be or not, right? Because not a lot of people have that innate capability, so if you have the ability to look at your behavior and be like, you know what, I probably could have done that better, you are automatically putting yourself into a leadership position because you're not just worried about how you felt about what happened. You're worried about how it affected other people, and that's the first stage of leadership, in my opinion. So um, I don't want to go back to the <clears throat> the ignorance and uh, 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 the hate of the middle of the last century, for sure. Like when I say back to the good old days, take the attitude and effort that we applied towards people then and apply it now towards everyone, mm-hmm. not just not just the people that our grandparents thought were okay to do that for, right? Uh, I get so, it. So like I, I, don't, I, I hate when people say the good old days. Like, well, the good old days weren't good for everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were but, good for white people and yeah. men. <laughs> but, but the – but the principles, the way we treated each other back then, which was based on Greek and Roman philosophy, right? And English common law, for the most part, that's, uh, uh, since I mentioned Greek and Rome, uh, to some degree influenced by Christianity throughout the Middle Ages as well. But <clears throat> primarily, it's Greek and, and Roman philosophy that, that drives all this stuff. Uh, some French as well, but I'll never admit that. Um, never admit it. <laughs> never mm, admit defeat on that. No. Um, the way that we learn to treat people, right? The way that we set the expectation that you help. You don't stand around when somebody else is working. If somebody needs help, you help them, right? Correct. That is the ultimate inoculation to tyrannical governments. Like they cannot mm-hmm. succeed against a population that chooses every day to do those things because there's no room left for them to wedge themselves in between us. Yeah, there's no air. We've Mm. done that um, in Canada. I don't know, I I texted you about this guy before. Mm. Um, There's a a movement happening and and you're not hearing about it on the news. In America, you won't hear about it on the news, but it's happening over over Canada Day, which I will not do. I am really struggling this year about celebrating because I don't know what to celebrate. the there's an individual who's a vet who walked across the country mm. on foot and he's going to be in Canada. Sorry, he's going to be in Ottawa here real soon. And there is a lot planned. There's been meetings with government officials, uh, with MPs, uh, with them all who have been willing to sit down with this individual and this group of veterans and go, you know, we're here to support you. We're here to help change this because something's got to give. We can't keep going down the path we're going down. And James Toff and his team are doing that. There is let me make myself abundantly clear when I say this, Dan. So if you're not aware, mm. there is a large, 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 large scale movement happening very quietly, very quietly in Canada. There are groups of people meeting and organizing. And it is the thing that gives me the hope that we can change how we are treating our people how we how we take responsibility how we act as a government how we talk to one another in government what is acceptable and what is not but there is whether 
whether the Trudeau government wants to acknowledge it or the NDPs want to acknowledge it, there is a large, beautiful, robust, heavy movement coming. And whether you like it or not, it's going to show up at that front door. Um, But the difference is we're not the type of people who show up and hurt people. And we don't do it the way Trudeau has hurt people. We don't do it with a smile on our face and pretend like we're not doing it. We know exactly what we're doing. We're very, very clear about what we're doing. And we're going to get some things changed because we can't keep living in a country where people are cowards. We can't allow a coward to be the leader of one of the freest, was one of the freest nations in the world. We we just can't. We have to make a change now. And it's happening. It's just going to take a little bit of time. But organizations have happened. Underground movements are happening. And people are people are going to fight for their right to be able to be free. And the fact that we even have to have that conversation about Canada and freedom in the same sentence is just disgusting. Pretty mind boggling. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It hurts my brain a little bit some days. <laughs> yeah. It is. I mean, it's, you know, and it's again, like uh top is uh for those who don't know, he was in uh, the CAA, the Canadian armed forces for 28 years, 30 years, something like that. So he was yeah. probably, I don't know what your rank system is, but he was, a, he would have been a Sergeant major here. Um, yeah, he's up there. He's a warrant officer. Uh, oh, he's for a those French people. Now. Yeah, where he okay. was a warrant officer. Well, he is. I think he's. So he he came on um, with us and had a conversation about it because when he t- because he stood up and when he announced his walk across the country to end and these like draconian mandates, mm-hmm. he did it in his uniform. So now he is going to be held to the military standard of a court martial, and he will be punished under those laws when he is done here. Um, and that's the most unfortunate thing I've ever heard when somebody is giving everything they have, their body and their mind and their energy and their time to try to put the brakes on the communistic dictatorship that is the Trudeau government, he's going to be held accountable. But he's fine with being held accountable because he knows it's going to to invict some cha- um, invoke some change. The problem is, I wonder if it's too little too late. Hmm. Well, it's, uh, you know, if it's just him. Oh, it's not. Right. Um, It's not. Don't worry. It's not. He's just the face of the movement and he is the one that's kind of kicked it off. He's a, Mm. he's a smart individual and he knows what he's doing and he's not playing either. He's, he's sat down and met with MPs. A lot of, a lot of our Canadian government officials have been willing to sit down with him and have sat down with him and had these conversations. The only ones that are unwilling and uh, call us terrorists are the NDP and Trudeau will are, they refuse to have conversations. They refuse to set foot in that room. They refuse to seem like they are losing to the population, which they don't realize it, but they are mm. like a lot. Well, if you're a government, as soon as you stop listening to people, then you've lost, right? Yeah, it's they just lost a matter. A long time ago. It's just a matter of when it ends. I mean, from from this guy's perspective, and it, like it's. He's doing an extraordinary thing, and I think it's it might be difficult for the ordinary person to even be able to conceptualize what they might do in, in a situation like that or how they would even find themselves in a situation to affect such change. But I, this is a good way to think about it. Think of the government. Think of government overreach or any t- sort of authoritarianism, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, a, a manager at work or – an abusive parent or whatever, or a bully at school, right? Like it applies to every single person in every single age group. Imagine yourself as the parent or older brother of the citizen or the citizens that are being bullied. Uh, If you imagine it this way, then you don't need to spend any amount of time thinking about how you would react in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You place yourself between the weak and the danger and you put an end to the danger if it doesn't end on its own, right? That's what, that's what that is. So, and everybody has that instinct. Every human being alive, unless you've, your brain is completely fucked. You have that instinct <laughs> to protect weak things around you. It may not be people that need help, but it might be a puppy or something, right? You have that innate instinct. It's part of human um, biology. So <clears throat> if you think about it that way, the reason, the, <laughs> the reason most philosophers speak in parables like this is because I can't give you an exact answer for every single scenario you're ever going to run into. I can give you some tools to help you frame your mind in a way 
that'll lead you to the answer on your own. I think that's a really important thing to be able to do for people. Um, so imagine yourself in a situation where people are getting bullied and what you might do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we know that bullies require... <sighs> they require like a necessary but measured response. And mm -hmm. then uh, if... if they they also require a follow up, right? So, a little reminder. <laughs> well, I mean, even after that. So the 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 phrase goes, "hurt hurt people, hurt people," right? Correct. Um, bullies typically are afraid. That that is where that comes from, right? It's like a dog backed into a corner that's snarling at you. Um, and once you've ended the danger, the person being bullied is more or less out of danger. Now we spend way too much time talking to that motherfucker right now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Instead of talking to the person that was doing the bullying in the first place, finding out why and healing that pain. Uh, because, you know, what we've done by focusing on primarily on the victims of bullying is turned everybody into a victim. And we've ignored yeah. the bully and they've turned into mass shooters. That's what's happened in our country. We've completely mm -hmm. ignored these people. Um, we, we've left them in fatherless homes with no hope, um, with no compassion, and, you know, look, I'm, I'm not absolving anybody of guilt from walking into a crowded place, especially a school, and shooting people. That's fucked up, and you should bear the penalty of death when you do that. But there's a lot of stuff that happens before that event ever takes place. That could and, be prevented. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, I want ahead. to touch on that for a second, Dan, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. the, um, in particular, the, the, the school shooter situation, uh, the, this is something that I've had this conversation uh, with a few people up here in Canada with. We've you know, when it comes to things like that, you're dealing with complex mental health issues. Most of the time you're dealing with abandonment, lack of parenting. You're dealing with there's a whole host of issues. And I don't know that we'll ever fully understand why somebody does something. But there are a few things that people can look for and prevent. And like if somebody starts saying things to you like I'm not feeling good and I have access to guns, mm. I'm not feeling well because no one's paying attention to me i'm not feeling well because everyone fucking sucks and the world hates me and they start to escalate those are things where it's your responsibility as a citizen to step in it's your responsibility as a citizen to say hey buddy how you doing not mm. doing well don't want to talk about it that's fine well let me take you to someone that can mm. because what we've forgotten and people keep asking why do these shootings keep happening well, I'm no fucking scientist, but what it does seem like is we've taken a society, we've put them in their little boxes, told them to stay put for two years, let them go absolutely insane, spin them into a fear-based trauma setting where their fight or flight is kicked on. They don't know how to handle the stress. And then we give them access to a ton of guns. Trust me, when I say this, Dan, it's gonna happen in Canada. Canada is one of the most armed nations in the world. We have put these people to their boiling point. Suicide rates are through the roof. And people are like, this will never happen here because we're in Canada and we don't have guns. When every other door I knock on, I bet you in my neighborhood, somebody will have a gun. Mm -hmm. People are unwell. And when people don't take responsibility for those in their community around them, bad things like this happen. Look at indigenous communities. Mm. When somebody's unwell, they don't kick that person out. They pull that person closer mm. and they give them the love and support and tools to heal and get better because every member of the community, whether you like them or not, whether you don't you like their political side or you like the way they the side they lean on for a sports team, whether you like it or not, they pull that person in. And they help them heal so that they can't go harm anybody else, including themselves, mm. because those people hate themselves more than they hate anybody else. They don't hurt people because they they want others to hurt. They hurt people because they're hurting so bad inside. They don't know where to put that hurt and they don't have the tools to handle that hurt. And when nobody has stepped in and said, it's OK to hurt, but we can deal with it better than shooting up a school. That's on our communities. That's on our society. That's on us as citizens to do something about. But we need to stop saying changing gun laws are going to change these things. Taking things away are going to yeah. change these things. No, they're not. 
looking after your people, watching for warning signs, making a phone call, taking responsibility for your neighbors and those around you. That's how you become a better citizen. That's how school shooters stop. That's how people stop shitty behavior and harming others. When you take responsibility for more than just yourself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, those events are the ultimate result of uh, societal nihilism. Right. Oh, Uh, and it's the same for like our inner city issues. These folks that are involved in gangs and drug trade and, and shooting each other up all the time is because they like it. It's not because it's like fun to do that shit. It sucks, man. You're like constantly stressed out, worried about cops and dying. You know what I mean? How could that possibly be fun for anybody? No, they do it because they are completely disenfranchised generationally from society. They don't feel like there's any place in society for them to have upward mobility and shit. And look, that's not an excuse. You you ultimately choose your own path. I grew up in a shitty place with a Absolutely. shitty with a shitty dad myself and I chose to be better, but not after making a fuckload of mistakes. You know what I mean? Right. And uh the grace that I was offered to uh overcome those mistakes is the only reason and it's I mean there but for the grace of God go I, right? That's what the phrase means. Like it could have happened to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now I want to pivot because mm-hmm. I think this is an important, th- this is the thing we came here to talk about today and it's the principle, <laughs> I'll live a life worth dying for. What does that mean to you? When you sent me that list of principles, I was flipping through and I was going down and when I saw that one, it hit me, it punched me right in the face. I will live a life worth dying for. It means everything. It is the, it is the definition of my being. It is the definition of those I hope to raise and have around me. I will live a life worth dying for because those that died for me don't get to live a life at all. I want the life that I have to be something so special, so bright, so so huge and 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 in your face that you can't help but say when I'm not here, fuck, she went for it, man. Mm. She went for it. Even when she was stressed, even when she was tired, she went for it. But she didn't just go for it. She was there for others. A life worth dying for isn't living a life that's worth dying for isn't just about me. It's about we. In my opinion, living a life that's worth dying for is about helping others mm. so that they feel like they can live a life that's worth dying for. I didn't set out to try to help anybody but myself at the beginning, but I knew that I had something to give, but I also knew deep down I didn't want to live. So who was going to want to be around or help somebody who didn't want to live anyway? And the life that I've been given and the opportunities I've been given, the people I get to surround myself with, the, the phone calls I get to have, they're just people that see what I'm trying to do. Mm. And what I'm trying to do is help a lot of fucking people on a grand scale. But it starts with small, with my community. It started with my community. It started with those around me. And it started with those people seeing that mission and then them going and using that and it helping their community. It starts small, but it will grow and it is growing. And to me, a, a, living a life worth dying for means getting up every single morning, whether I want to or not, being grateful that I'm alive and breathing and getting up and being 1% better than I was the day before. Because not every day is easy, but every day I'm on this planet, I'm going to give everything I have so that those that did die before me and die for me will be proud of it. Yeah, I like the uh, uh, bifurcation of this principle. It's something that I'm going to be writing about uh, in the chapter um, between like, what does it mean to live a life worth dying for? So live your life as though people have died to make it possible because that is literally the truth, right? That's the first part. Like live a noble life, live a good life. Um, Something that those who paid that price would be proud of, as you said, but there, there's also the other element you mentioned, which is living out loud if that's who you are, but like stop bitching and moaning 
stop worrying mm-hmm. about your problems and start taking advantage of all of the sacrifice that's led us here. Because I'll tell you what, if I was, if I was one of those people that were dead, uh, I would be extremely angry about what's going on right now. Not about like there's political tumult. Sometimes there's wars in foreign countries that we have to pay attention to. There's economic strife and all that stuff. But all the other crap that we're allowing to happen right now, if I were, you know, if I had been killed in action, I would be fucking pissed to see this stuff. Um, Now, there's, you should definitely enjoy your life. Like people on, it gets touchy sometimes. Uh, It was, it was a thing a couple of years ago. Uh, on Memorial Day weekend where people are like, stop saying happy Memorial Day because it's not happy for us. It's our, we're remembering our dead. And then like, you know, I understand that feeling because we all are very on edge about the people close to us that have died. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how do we best memorialize them by celebrating their life, but also celebrating the life that they provided for us, right? Like what, take advantage of it. Otherwise, what was the point? They died for nothing. Exactly. Um, and say happy Memorial Day because yeah. it is a happy Memorial Day. You woke up that morning. You get to sit and be with your family and drink mm. beer and barbecue. They would want you to be happy on Memorial Day. We're not saying happy Remembrance Day. That's a different thing. That's mm. happy Veterans Day. That's a different thing. Mm. That's a that's a different thing. We run into that in Canada, right? Where people are like, happy Remembrance Day. I'm like, I will kick you in the teeth. It's not a happy day. That's my day that I take to remember those that came before me and that came with me and that were alongside of me. But I also have to step back and remember people don't know what to say in those situations. They don't understand the gravity of what they're saying because they haven't been there. So you have to give this is where it comes into being a good citizen Mm. and, and living that life worth dying for. Have compassion. Take a moment. Sit with that person and explain why you feel that way. Educate them so they can go off and be a better person. And maybe that won't happen in their family again. No, maybe nobody would dare say that again. Yeah, I mean, use the opportunity to tell them about yes. somebody that you lost. Yes. Right, and what kind of person they were. Because it's easy to uh, use platitudes like I support the troops or whatever, right? Any, any, of, of, those, any of those platitudes. It's, it's also easy to, because we've lost so many over the years, not just in the GWAT, but, you know, for the entire history of both of our countries. Um, It's easy to feel like a single act is just a drop in the ocean. You know what I mean? But like animating, animating to somebody exactly who a human being was that gave their life for them, like explaining who that person was, the things that they liked, you know, what they wanted to do when they got out, all this stuff it makes it real. You know what I mean? It it turns that sacrifice into something, uh, tangible corporeal. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and, and to your other point about empathy, um, if you can, uh, and, and this is the, I think this is one of the trajectories that a lot of people that get involved in the kind of work that we do go through. And I'm not sure I I've heard a lot of people, describe it well, but you know, we all start out trying to help ourselves and that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like if you're on fire, you should probably put the fire out, right? Yeah. Uh, That's, that's a reasonable thing to do. But if you can turn your pain into empathy for other people, you can save two lives, yours and theirs. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's where, that's where the, the real work gets done, not in helping yourself, but in helping others. And you said it as well, just waking up every day. So another thing that I like to say is that the weight doesn't get lighter. You get stronger. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that is the most accurate representation of my personal feelings. If I'm honest with you, Mm. that is the weight never goes away. If anything, it it does get heavier Mm. because people pile on, but um, I think people have also underestimated how fucking strong and dangerous it can make a person if they turn that pain into some 
something like fuel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a super motivating factor and it's easy to do it when you look, when you see other people doing it, right? Psychology is super contagious. And when you see, when you combine that, like your, your limited effort, like as a single human being, your effort is going to be limited, but your limited effort combined with this information that, you know, uh, uh, about specific people that have paid the sacrifice about what it means to be a citizen, live, live your life well, because there are people right now who stand ready to do violence for you, to, to die for you. They don't know who you are. They, they never will. They'll never meet you. They simply believe what we all believe is the ideological foundation of the West self-determinism and Liberty, right. Mm -hmm. Are worth dying for no matter who the benefactor is, no matter if they look like you speak the same language, mm -hmm. believe in the same God or any God at all. Mm -hmm. The most That's important right. contribution to society you can ever make is giving somebody else their self-determinism, right? Whether through, uh, uh, supporting them or through defending them either way. That's why it says support and defend the constitution. I wish I had a constitution to defend until then I'll have to stick with the charter of rights. But yeah, I know, that's... but mm. I know I, I've been clear about my stance on a lot of things recently and I, and I will continue. And I, I, this is a hill I'm willing to die on our rights as Canadian citizens, my right as a Canadian citizen, my son's right as a Canadian citizen, my husband's right. I will die on this hill when it comes to our freedoms because I've run through hell once. Why not do it again? I want my son to know every day that mommy's life was worth, was worth dying for. I want him to think that she put everything on the line no matter what. And I want him to see that as a source of strength so that when I do go and I do get to go into the other land or the other place or that whatever anyone wants to call it is totally up to you. Although you should do psychedelics, you'll see it. I, I, I want them to, to say I didn't waste a moment. Mm. I didn't not influence people in a positive way. I want to give people strength. So that those that did die know that my life was dying, worth dying for. I didn't waste it. And I don't plan on wasting a single second. It's a good place to end. Uh, thanks for coming today. I appreciate it. I always enjoy our conversations. Um, I appreciate getting some, uh, you know, insight from someone that, that's in a similar but very dissimilar scenario that I am. But it seems like... Uh, most of us seem, uh, share quite a few of the same beliefs. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say that extends even to our political rivals to a large degree. Uh, it, it's yeah. the, the things that uh, – one of the analogies I like to use is uh, football fans. Like if you're a college football fan, you may if – you're, if you're an Ohio State fan, you probably hate Michigan fans, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's just how, that's how it goes. I don't know if you guys have rivalries right. like there and, and – hockey or some, whatever the fuck's going on up there, but I don't play any of those sports. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty intense down here, but you know, if you boil everything down, it, it's the things that, uh, the similarities are far outweigh the differences, right? Like it, we're, we're at 99% similarity. And then the difference is the team. Like we're fans of football, the experience, all that stuff. It's just which team you're rooting for. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you get 90, 99% <clears throat> into something and then want to squabble about the last 1% and let that be the thing that tears the whole house down, then you're kind of an idiot, to be honest, right? Like you've really failed yourself yeah. and you failed everybody if you, if you think that way. So I appreciate mm -hmm. you coming on and giving a unique perspective. Um, I hope people that hear this, whether they agree or disagree with me politically, if they even know what I believe politically, uh, uh, take this for what it's worth and, and, you know, take the opportunity to contribute as well. Like I, I can't, we're not going to get any closer together by, uh, or through silence, right? Like through ignoring each other. It's not, that's not how that works. So uh, trust and, me when I say Dan, 
the louder you are, the better it will be. The more communicative you are, the better mm. we'll heal. We just need to be willing to have conversations. Conversations are not scary. They're not difficult. Often just starting the conversation is the hardest part. Mm. If we could communicate more, our world would be a better place. And thank you. It's always an honor getting to sit with you. I absolutely adore and look forward to our next conversation. It is always insightful and makes me spin off and to start thinking about all these other things I could have touched on with you. I am, uh, I am grateful for your time and for your listeners. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. Thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.